and welcome to In My Opinionation, your weekly Blossom Recap podcast. Each week, we recap an episode of the hit 90s sitcom and give you our thoughts and reactions and opinionations. (laughs) (laughs) I am your host, Mallory, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Eric. Hi. And Jen. Hi. How are you guys doing this week? Just lovely. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm doing good. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Eric, (laughs) you don't sound too sure. I'm I'm all right. He never does. I'm all right. I'm tired. It's busy. This this week has been ridiculously busy. Yeah. Not that you people will know out in like podcast land because this is going to be released much later. But what is this? June? Yeah, we're in June. You're opening the curtain of our methods. <laughs> but June is very is busy right now. This past week has been very yeah. busy. Yeah. Well, yeah. so <laughs> So this week we're looking at season one, episode nine, Tough Love. It aired on March 4th, 1991. It was written by Josh Goldstein and Jonathan Price. And it was directed by, you guessed it, Zane Busby. Zane Zane Busby! Busby. (laughs) We're getting so good at that. Best director ever. (laughs) I'm going to miss her if she doesn't come back for her. I know. Yeah. So, quick synopsis. Nick gives, gives Tony an ultimatum. Get a job or get out. Meanwhile, Blossom tries to write an original song for her music class. That's all. That's it. Yep. (laughs) So some trivia. This was the eighth episode filmed. So it was filmed before Thanks for the Memorex, which does make a small reference to the events of this episode. I believe I touched on it on uh, Mm -hmm. that episode Mm -hmm. uh, where Joey is upset about whatever. And he (laughs) and he he's talking about how Tony gets a whole apartment over the garage, which now we finally see that happen. Yeah. Do you guys have any? Trivia, it was hard to find for this episode. I would have loved to watch this season in the originally intended airing order. Yes. Just to see like how it would have felt, you know, you know, we should (laughs) season six. We go back to season one. Our commentary will be completely different for the whole season. What if we just did like a Twitch or maybe not Twitch because copyright, but did some sort of live stream where we watched them in order. We could do Twitch. But we can't show the video if we yeah. do it on Twitch. Mm, right. Yeah. We can watch it ourselves and comment and maybe occasionally have like audio yeah. come through. I guess depending on how many listeners we have out there. Listeners, how many of there are you? We can have a watch party with them. Do you love us yet? Yeah. We could do we could do some sort of end of season one celebration of like watching it all as a as a community in, in order. That would be fun. Yeah, it'd be like six hours, but <laughs> what cool. else am I doing with my life? Right? Uh, I don't know about you, but I got baby stuff I do. <laughs> <laughs> We're fine, says the child. We're fine. We're fine. You women. We're all fine here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it's time to get into Jen's favorite part. The bu- 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 breakdown. There you go. All right. So scene one, we open with Nick on the phone in the kitchen. He's apologizing to someone. He hangs up the phone and he calls for Anthony. It turns out that Tony took a message for Nick about a recording session, but never gave it to him. And Nick was supposed to be at the studio half an hour ago. Tony seems unfazed and certainly not remorseful about giving his dad the message. So I want to talk about this a little bit because this seems very untony like based on what mm-hmm. we've seen from him so far. Mm-hmm. And Like I said, this was the eighth episode filmed and the ninth episode released. So it's kind of in the right area of where it it, it should be chronologically. Uh So so what did you guys think about that? Was it weird for you as well? Yes, it felt really weird, mostly because it felt like 
Nick was saying that Tony was just being useless around the house. That's mm-hmm. it felt like he was just like meandering and not doing anything. Whereas it always seemed earlier that he was in and out doing things. Right. Uh, yeah. And I, I think Nick's comments about him not doing anything are like in the context of what we've seen of Tony, not valid in the context of what we've seen of Tony in this episode alone. That's what it seems like he's doing. Do you know what I mean? Like, it seems really weird and not Tony-like. Like, it's just a different character all of a sudden. I will say it's not just this scene. This whole episode, it feels like they rewrote all of the characters' personalities just to match this particular story that they wanted to do. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I, yeah, I brought it up here because this was the first point where I was like, this is not... This is weird. This is not Tony. And even how Blossom, like, reacts to the whole thing, which I know you're going to get to, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So Nick suggests that it's time for Tony to join the rest of the human race by doing things like sleeping at night, waking up in the morning and getting a job. Tony seems pretty dismissive about it, saying that he's heard all of this before. But Nick says that he said it before, but Tony hasn't actually heard it. Tony then argues that he's not ready to get a job because he's too focused on staying sober and that he goes to meetings twice a day. So that seems pretty productive to me. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that does. I... I don't know much about rec- drug recovery. I, I haven't had to deal with it in my life or my family's life. I know, I know that it's different for everybody, that that mm-hmm. journey is different for everybody. But I wanted to know. So later on, we hear Blossom say that it's been about nine months. Mm-hmm. Is it still a reasonable expectation at nine months that you would be going to meetings twice a day? And like I said, it's different for everybody. So it might be for some people. I just I if either of you have any insight into this, I would love to hear it. I think it depends on the age too, because he is still pretty damn young. And I think because he has the opportunity Mm -hmm. and a bit more freedom than say an older person in a full-time job to go and do those meetings, it would be encouraged to go to meetings that many times. Right. Yeah. And I think they mentioned earlier that he was an addict for four years. Mm -hmm. That's a long time. Yeah. Right. Nine, nine months is not that long for recovery if you've been through it for that long, especially being that young. Right. And you're still yeah. developing. Yeah. I feel like nine months is like a, it's too early to kick someone out for, you know, right. trying to be better. I guess my next question then is how do we think this tracks with what was it? The third episode where Tony had a girlfriend. Oh, in AA. Yeah. yeah. About that. Like, again, it feels like a different person like like Mm -hmm. the tony that we know who is still in aa but like stable enough to have a girlfriend and like not fall to pieces when she Mm -hmm. turns out to be stealing from them is also the same person who's needing to go to meetings twice a day and only focus on recovery which are you know those are both valid like journeys Mm -hmm. through recovery they just seem to be two different people's journeys through recovery yeah absolutely and we've seen him say so many times like you said that he wants to start being a real person. Yeah. Uh, in air quotes, real person again, or like in society again. Mm-hmm. So why is he suddenly, I don't want to say not caring, but why is he suddenly not interested in that? Well, and he also suddenly seems to like not take Nick seriously. Yeah. You know, like I felt like that whole relationship was, was weird and different. Like, mm-hmm. From what I've known about Tony for the last eight episodes, he's not someone that would be like, yeah, yeah, dad doesn't mean what he's saying. But that's what we see here. Yeah. Also, like, there's some weird, like, character traits for uh, Tony as well. Like, he seems very absent minded now. Mm-hmm. Like, this whole episode, he seems sort of more Joey like. 
Yeah. Yeah. I will say that the one thing that tracks is all of those scenes that we've seen him in the middle of the night having a meal. If he's if yeah. he's awake all night, then now we have a reason for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, it it feels like they had a story, had written the characters a certain way, and said, "Oh shit! Well, I guess we need to rewrite these characters just so we can do this one thing." Yeah, I feel like this would have made more sense if it was really early in the season. Yeah, and yeah. We hadn't gotten to know him. I wonder. So a lot of times in writers' rooms, they kind of have. A little bit of a, I guess it depends on the show, but sometimes they have like a season arc. Sometimes they have a bunch of like uh, story prompts. So like, yeah, mm-hmm. like Tony gets a job. Blossom doesn't like her dad's girlfriend, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if they originally wrote this as an earlier episode and then decided it was too big of a a topic to tackle in like episode two. Like they wanted to, I don't know. I can see that. But if that's the case, then don't write that character being so, I don't know, advanced. Yeah. Just to have to scale him back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like they kind of wrote themselves into a corner in yeah. a way. Yeah. Because they had to make his personality a certain way to make the story work. Right. Oh, felt so disjointed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I I mentioned too, like um, Blossom ends up coming to the kitchen during this conversation and even how she's responding in this particular conversation. It's like she starts doing this very sassy, like quoting of Shakespeare, like for yeah. someone for a character that we have seen get in her head so quickly about the littlest thing, especially as it pertains to her family. She just like busts in and starts being like, oh, dad, you're so silly. Like, is he yeah. not like it, And it just didn't feel like her either. Although I will say her being very protective of Tony was very. That was on brand. Eventually in the episode. But this first scene, she I don't mm-hmm. know. She was like very jokey, which was not in line with what was happening. Maybe she didn't believe that. Nick would have actually kicked him out because it doesn't track with this character. No, <laughs> yeah. and I, I also wonder if they're just like, we need some we need some comedy here. Like, this is a sitcom. We need yeah. the comedy. So, yeah. So, so Blossom enters. She hears this conversation. Tony says that he does help out by cleaning the kitty litter every week. And Nick tells him that the cat died six years ago. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I guess a joke. <laughs> and then he goes, well, who's Joey. been using the kitty litter? Yeah, I wrote down it was Joey. <laughs> Joey's been using the kitty litter. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, so uh, Blossom does her little Shakespearean weird thing. Uh, and Nick finally tells Tony, you need to get a job. Tony's pretty noncommittal about it, saying he'll give it a shot, but like doesn't seem. So Nick gives him the deadline of Friday. Tony says he's got it, but doesn't really seem to take Nick seriously. Remember when you could get a job in three days, guys? No, That's... I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so I was I was talking to Tristan about this, about how, like, I guess it kind of made sense because the 90s. And he was like, well, I think you could probably get an interview by Friday, but I don't know about, like, just getting a job. But I think, on the other hand, sitcoms often have these kind of compressed timelines because mm-hmm. they try to tell a story in a week. Like, they don't want to be yeah. going over long periods of time in each episode. Well, I think back then, like... You know, and, you know, the whole boomer versus millennial thing of why don't you just go get a job? Just walk in, especially somewhere like a pizza pizza joint or a bakery. Like, why don't you just walk in? They're always looking for people. Well, now they want a full resume with college to deliver pizza. So, you know, it's so much worse these days than it. You know, it's it just keeps getting tougher and tougher. Yeah. 
<sighs> speaking, I mean, I guess kind of off topic, but speaking of that, have you guys seen all the stuff going on in the States with like worker shortages? And so like McDonald's, for example, was offering a free iPhone after your first three months. And, and the workers are like, we don't want that. We just want a living wage. Like these companies yeah. don't seem to get that. Like you can't trick us into coming in for an interview at TGI Fridays by offering us free appetizers. Mm-hmm. We want actual like payment. Yeah. Like I want to pay rent. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Is this one time iPhone going to pay my rent? Take that money and just tack it on to my wages. But also (laughs) then increase them too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so after Nick gives Tony his ultimatum, we start in on our B plot for this episode. Blossom has to write an original song for her musical, her music class, and she's having trouble writing one. So she, so Nick asks her to play what she has and she plays this like peppy little tune. And Nick says that he loves it, but he also loved it when Sonny and Cher played it. Blossom is sort of confused, so Nick has her play it a little slower, and she starts playing, and Nick starts singing I Got You, Babe, along with it. And we get a funny little moment of Nick and Blossom singing wonderfully together, but Blossom has just this pained look on her face of like, ah, shit. But she keeps singing. She (laughs) looks so sad, but she keeps singing the song. Yeah. (laughs) So... Nick has a line here that I really liked, which was, there's only two chords in that song, and they both belong to Sonny Bono. So Blossom explains that she talked her way into the class by saying she could write music. And if she doesn't have a song by Monday, she'll flunk out and have to go back to pottery class. So is this a thing? Can you flunk out of class in the middle of the class and have to transfer? Or do you just keep going in the class? And then you flunk. You just keep failing. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like this is a thing that comes up a lot on especially 90s sitcoms about like if you fail this one test then we're going to kick you out and put you in this other class which presumably they would then be behind in that class too yeah Yeah. how are you going to learn how to do pottery also what public school has a pottery class this was the 90s mine did i went to an art school you went to an art school (laughs) what real dirty public school has both a pottery class and a composition class not mine. I mean, I don't know. People who live in L.A., is this a thing? <laughs> Not here. Nope. So we have a little joke here of Tony saying that he got suspended for making bongs in the pottery class. <laughs> and we end the scene with Nick re- reiterating that Tony's deadline for getting a job is Friday and adding that if he doesn't have one, he needs to find another place to live. So we had to scene two. It's a day or two later. Blossom is working on her original song on the piano in the living room. Tony enters and correctly guesses that she's playing Frank Sinatra's I've Got You Under My Skin. (laughs) Once again, she thought she'd come up with something original, only to find out that she hasn't. So Blossom asks Tony how his job hunt's going. He says he hasn't gotten one. Again, not concerned at all in the slightest. But Blossom is very concerned. And she tells Tony that he needs to get organized and offers to help him write a resume. So presumably he's been looking for a job without a resume. Was that a thing in the 90s? I could say probably yes. Yeah, for a lower pain or entry level, I think it was more of a, you could walk in and they would give you an application. Oh, application. But you don't need a resume to like work at a coffee house. <laughs> I know? forgot about applications. <laughs> yeah, see, now you need a resume. It's been a while, guys. So Blossom starts by asking Tony what his goals are. And he says, I want to get paid a million dollars to lay on the beach in Tahiti with the Laker girls and Ted Koppel in case I need someone to talk to. Can't talk to the Laker girls? Yeah. No, apparently not. That's not what they're there for. Boobs or nothing. (laughs) (laughs) So Ted Koppel, for those who don't know, 
is a news correspondent best known for being the anchor of Nightline. Yep. So Blossom tells Tony that he needs to lower his expert expectations. So he goes for a hundred grand, the Golden Girls and Maury Povich. That's a better job, to be honest. Right? I think I with the Golden Girls. That's way more entertaining. <laughs> that would be great. Maury Povich, though. Yeah. Although, wasn't he the, um, was he a guest earlier, Mo- Maury Povich? No, no, that was Donahue. Donahue, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, well, and also, if I think back to my sick days as a child in mm-hmm. elementary school watching Maury Povich, it wasn't originally all fraternity tests no it was slightly more respectable back then there was other stuff and then those were the episodes that got the highest views and so now it's just fraternity tests yeah so blossom decides to forget the resume for now and move on to checking the classifieds for available jobs they'll find something that tony already knows how to do and tony immediately gets excited about an ad for english sheepdogs that need a home which same i know right (laughs) That seems so out of character. He's so he's so absent-minded in this. It's so weird. He's so Joey. This is a Joey thing. Yeah, he is. He's all over the place, which, I mean, from the first, if we think back to, like, the pilot when there was the mom, mm-hmm. and then they got rid of the mom, and Tony kind of took on that, like, parenting, mm-hmm. like, second parental figure, and now yeah. it's, like, he's forgotten all of that, and it's bizarre. Yeah. It doesn't feel right. Yeah, Zane Busby. Zane Busby didn't write it. She didn't it. write it. <laughs> she just directed it. Don't you dare bring Zane Busby into I this. Know. She did a great job with what she had to work with. <laughs> so Blossom, Blossom tries to get Tony to focus, reminding him that he has a deadline and it's tomorrow. Tony isn't convinced that Nick's actually going to kick him out. He just thinks that Nick's trying to get him to like start doing something and doesn't think that it's a serious threat. Blossom mm-hmm. disagrees. And... She suggests that Tony apply to be a graveyard shift delivery driver at Fatty's Pizza, but Tony thinks that job is beneath him. Ugh. I I know people that are like this. I think we Mm -hmm. all do. (laughs) A job's a job, man. (laughs) Eric raised his hand. (laughs) (laughs) I hate driving. I would not want to do that. That, And see people. but, But if you were in like a desperate situation like this, where it's like, you either got whatever job was available or you were kicked on this. Oh, no, no, for sure. For sure. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like Tony is not in a situation where he can be picky right now. You can no. get that shift and then work your way up. But mm-hmm. like people that are, you know, have whatever. Would you want someone recovering to be a delivery driver? What if they relapse? I feel like that's a bad. We already know that he's up all night. Yeah. Like it wouldn't be a change to his his current. That's true. Also, they can't exactly ask that. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Yeah. So Blossom pulls on Tony's heartstrings by saying, I've already lost one mother. I don't want to lose you too, which Mm -hmm. is just heartbreaking. That makes sense. Like if, you know, he gave good advice with this type of Tony. Yeah. So that seems to get through to Tony a little and he agrees to call the pizza place. Yeah. So scene three, the next day, Blossom is working on another new song. (laughs) Joey enters carrying a giant piece of cardboard and guesses that she's playing Michael Jackson's Billie Jean. And she angrily shouts, shouts that it's not, but as she shouts it, she realizes that it is thriller. <laughs> I will say she can't write a song, but her ear training is fantastic. Yeah, right. Agreed. <laughs> and I did notice that almost every time Blossom plays the piano, we see her hands. That's actually my embryonic playing. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Which like talent, talent. Right? I know. 
She's great. She's great at everything. Right. She can do arts. She can do science. She can do Jeopardy. Yeah. She just hosted <laughs> Jeopardy. Mayim, get at us. Right. So, so Joey asked to Blossom, borrow Blossom's camera. It says that he has a date with a high school senior and that he told her he's over 21. So he needs a fake ID so he can take her out. So it's at this point that he turns the cardboard around and we see that it's a massive uh, Michigan driver's license with the picture missing. And his plan is to take a photo of himself standing in front of it to make the fake ID. And he will be Ralph Steinberg of Dearborn, Michigan. Where did he get this thing from? That's such a good idea, though. Like, and it looks so good. It's a great idea. Like, it looked great. It would until, like, your body extends past the, like, frame for the photo. Well, I'm sure when he shrunk it, he could just, like... You cut it. You could white it out or something. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. Uh, So Tony arrives home, jokes that Ralph must have a huge wallet, and Joey tells him that they can joke about it now, but in two days, he's going to get laid. I want to talk about the ethics of this, which we already know are questionable. So we know that it's gross that he's pretending to be someone he's not. But he is also pretending to be a 24-year-old Mm-hmm. to get with a 17 or 18 year old. So what are we saying here about adults dating teens? Yeah. Thoughts? It's illegal. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Gross. Ew. Like there's, there's no, Ew. if he was pretending to be 17 to get with a 17 year old and he's 16, like, okay, whatever. But to pretend to be an adult dating a teenager's, Although it's weird, I do remember girls in high school dating older like boys in the later high school grades, which was in their 20s, though. Yeah, like early 20s. I know it, it was weird, but uh, I guess Catholic school girls, people like kilts. I don't know. I, I, I don't it's like true. that. Though, so, unfortunately, I don't know. Yeah, but like it's a year difference. Maybe be a decent human, Joey, and then a year difference won't matter mm-hmm. versus pretending to be an adult, yeah. being a creeper, going after a 17 year old. And he's also like trying to get this fake ID so that he can get into a nightclub with her. How's she getting in the nightclub? <laughs> Does, yeah. How is yeah. she getting in? Is it like one adult bring a child date? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I remember there being under age days, but. It wasn't like that young. It was like an 18 year old. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're, like 17. Yeah. In, in university. When I, was I remember there being like all like in all ages. Yeah. yeah. There were all ages stuff, but they wouldn't be selling liquor those nights. No, they, they did. When I was in university, you just have, I think the underage kids had like bands and like, and like X's and shit all over them. Yeah. A forehead a stamp, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they did it at quarters. And uh, uh, quarters <laughs> or not quarters. What was it? the John before uh, right. and, and the rat? It's our university bar. Yeah, it was the John and then it was quarters and then it was 1280 and none uh. of them were good. Uh-uh. No, no, no. The John and the rat were amazing. Were they? That was before our time. They were actually amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm old. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they were better, though. You're not, you're not old. You're mature. Um, there you go. <laughs> I'm vintage. You're vintage. <laughs> <laughs> Retro. Oh, God. So, so Joey leaves and Blossom asks Tony how the job went. And he says that it was great. Fatty's a great guy. He tells Blossom he arrived on time. The night started out great. It was slow. They talked for a bit. At 2 a.m., things picked up. He got a $2 tip from the first house and then he got fired. 
And the reason he got fired was because he wanted to make sure that he made the 30 minute guarantee. So he left the delivery truck running when he got to the first place, but he also left it in gear. So it crashed into a nativity scene. And a cow. More specifically with a live cow. A live cow. Which nobody ever talks about again. Is the cow okay? We don't know. Probably not. Why was there a live cow? You know what? I've seen this before. Like what? a nativity <laughs> scene and then actual, ca- like not cattle, but like sheep and stuff around it. But like, like for a, a holiday, up. like, yeah, like yeah. a Christmas mass, not yeah, just a no, random day. No. Farmyard animals. No, there, there, there are some country-ish things where people leave. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's weird. It is weird. <sighs> but I've also driven through Orangeville. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, roasted. Um, (laughs) A little Ontario humor for you. So Tony says that the real world and trying to be a real person was scary. And just then Nick enters and asks Tony how the job went. And Tony tells Nick the truth, but says that it was a growing experience. And in a couple months, he'll have his confidence back and be ready to try again. Nick reminds Tony that they had a deal. And Blossom tries to stick up for Tony, but Nick won't hear it. Nick says he doesn't want to do it, but he has no choice. Tony has to move out. Like, I feel bad because Tony's talking about how scary that whole situation was, you know, being like recovering and then mm-hmm. going through this whole thing. And he tells his sister, obviously, and she started, she's, this is a moment where she stands up for him. Yeah. Right? yeah. And cause she knows what he's feeling, but you know. Why would he uh, not also convey that? I know Tony's trying to like take responsibility and he very quietly just says, yeah, you know, you're right. But yeah. Has he ever actually said those same things to Nick? And you yeah. know what? He did technically get the job by some freak accident. He got fired. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that I would call that a freak accident so much as the live cow part is a freak accident. Yeah. <laughs> well, the leaving the truck in in gear is Joey no, level it, stupidity, it's, but it's stupid. But out of character, Joey is also your son, Nick. Like, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> some comparisons. But I could also see like Assad not telling a father his feeling mm-hmm. and then but telling a sibling a fellow sibling his feelings right so except not in this family yeah i yeah, think that's yeah, the sticking point is that this is not who we know the russos to be well they weren't talking about sex so maybe it's not something <sighs> they talk about uh, <laughs> you know it tracks <laughs> i know it tracks that's why i hate it yeah <laughs> so 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 tony Seems surprised that Nick followed through on his word. But like you said, Jen, he's just kind of like, all right, like I'm moving out, I guess. So he goes to start packing his stuff. Both Blossom and Nick are upset. Nick didn't want to kick Tony out, but he says he's doing it for Tony's own good. And Blossom runs after Tony. So scene four, we're in Blossom's music class. She's playing the last few notes of her original composition. It sounds like this beautiful, complete classical piece. Her teacher and the entire class begin applauding wildly. Everyone is impressed. The teacher says it's the best composition he's ever heard. And Blossom is absolutely glowing with pride. But just then, Mozart bursts in. (laughs) That's right. It's a classic Blossom dream sequence. I thought it was Elton John. Yeah, that was so good. (laughs) No, Elton John dressed as Queen Elizabeth. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) So Mozart says Blossom didn't write it. She ripped him off. And the teacher immediately kicks Blossom out of the class. And Mozart says she's going to be out on the street with her no good brother and to say hi to Millie and Vanilli for him. (laughs) Uh. 
So a little bit of background on who Millie and Vanilli are, for those who don't know. Mm -hmm. They were a German-French pop duo who gained international success in the late 80s and won a Grammy. on the rain. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And they won a Grammy in 1990. But shortly after that, it was revealed that they weren't actually singers and they were lip syncing to other people's voices. And they probably did blame it on the rain, Eric. Because that's their song. (laughs) (laughs) So we crossfade to seeing Blossom asleep. It's this tight close-up on her face, so we can't really see where she is, but we hear Tony trying to wake her up. We zoom out and we can see that it's Tony there, but we're still not sure where we are. And Blossom tells Tony that she had a terrible nightmare, but Tony doesn't care and tells her to sing. And it's then that we cut to a wide shot and see that Blossom has been sleeping on a bench outside the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Ha ha, another dream sequence. Gotcha. It's Inception. Tricked you. (laughs) So Tony and Blossom appear to be homeless and their game is busking for money on the sidewalk with Tony playing the guitar and Blossom singing <laughs> and they're performing. Of course, I got you, babe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to point out because I thought this was really funny that Tony is clearly not moving either hand on the guitar. In <laughs> fact, <laughs> so he's, he's just the, shaking the guitar. Yeah. He's got the one hand on the neck and the other one like flat against the body of the guitar to hold it to his body. Oh, I hate this so much. So it doesn't fall. And he's just like kind of shaking back and forth. It's especially painful to you, Eric. Mm. Yeah. But <laughs> what makes it worse is that there's like, it's like a mid close up where you can clearly see what's going on. Like it's not a yeah. far enough shot where like, maybe you can't tell. No, no. It's very clear that he's just holding <laughs> a guitar and rocking back and forth. Uh, so just then Sonny Bono shows up. Hell yeah. And he takes the money that Blossom has collected. It's his song after all. And Blossom apologizes to him, and we learn it's not Mr. Bono, it's not Mayor Bono, but he's Senator Bono. Bono. Why? Do we have any, is there a joke here that I'm missing, or is it just a funny thing for Sonny Bono to say? I think it's just like... No, he was, uh, he was in politics, right? Was he? Well, I learned something new. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that part. He was a member of Congress. Well, for, shit. Okay. Well, so he why. was actually a senator? Yeah. Huh. I thought it was just a funny joke. <laughs> I've learned something today. The more you know. Do, 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 do. Okay, so so just then a cop drags Joey across the scene. Joey is pleading with the cop, trying to convince him that he's Ralph Steinberg of Dearborn, Michigan. He pleads with Blossom to call dad, and then it's revealed that the cop is Nick. And the dream ends with Nick maniacally dragging laughing maniacally while dragging Joey Joey to jail and Tony dancing around with the guitar and Blossom calling for her dad. And I have to say that this part of the dream sequence of like Sonny Bono showing up, them singing, mm-hmm. I got you, ba- babe, Joey and his fake, you know, that to me felt mo- most like an actual dream, mm-hmm. like just a collection of all the things that happened that day, just kind of smushed together. Yeah, exactly. Like more than we've seen a lot of her more pointed dream sequences being. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, for sure. I just realized Sonny Bono wasn't a congressman at this point he was just the mayor of uh palm springs california he was a part of the uh senate until 95 so did blossom predict the future or did he get to set and go senator bono i like the sound of that yeah maybe did he bring this episode in when he was trying to plead his case and be like look i'm just saying it sounds real good it does that's funny i didn't know any of that neither did i that's that's thanks for for educating us, Eric. Yeah, yeah, no problem. 
So it's the next scene. Blossom goes down to the kitchen to find her dad who also can't sleep. So this isn't my outfit of the week, but I did want to point out the pajamas Blossom's wearing because back in episode three, my outfit of the week had her in that same top. Oh, she was wearing that shirt. And I remember saying that looks like it could be a pajama top. And guess what, you guys? <laughs> it is. It I was really right. is. <laughs> Maybe she just fell asleep in her day clothes. But she has the matching pants. You don't have matching pants for your day clothes? No. You're right. I just saw the picture. You're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. So, I, I, again, I, I think that's kind of neat that the, like, costume department was not limiting pajama tops to being pajama tops. Yeah. Like, they were really being creative with, with her clothes, which I think is really cool. And plaid seems to be a big thing with her, too. She always has little spots of plaid in her outfits mm. in different ways. It was the 90s. True. <laughs> unnecessary flannel eric was there he knows <laughs> i was flannel was everywhere so blossom's wearing her flannel and she's trying to guilt nick saying that if she kicked a kid out she wouldn't be able to sleep either nick is clearly feeling upset about what happened with tony and doesn't need blossom making him feel worse but blossom continues sarcastically recounting an episode of bonanza where even though the dad got mad he didn't kick his 40 year old son out Mm -hmm. this is another where blossom doesn't seem like blossom yeah she's like being sassy like she normally is but she's not doing it like in earnest like she's trying to make a point like she's just being bitchy She's she's deliberately trying to make Nick feel guilty and bad. And we can yeah. see on his face that he already feels upset. But there's a way that Blossom de- normally delivers lines like this where she'll be sassy, but she is like she's doing it in earnest. And now she's just trying to, like, stab the knife in him, which is not normally her jam. Yeah, she's normally sassy with heart. And here she's yeah. sassy with with a dagger. Like, yeah, it's not her. no. So Nick asks where Tony is and Blossom explains that he did get another job. He's working the night shift at a 24 hour donut shop and Nick is impressed and he asks where Tony's staying. Again, Blossom bites back asking why he would care, which again, sassy, no heart, sassy with a dagger. Yeah. And Nick explains that he kicked Tony out because he loved him. And then Joey enters and is also weirdly sassy he mm-hmm. he says that he's awake because he's afraid if he slept too long, he would be kicked out too. And he says he's going to make a sandwich, but don't worry, dad, I'll pay you back when I'm grown up and have a job. That seems way more clever than Joey normally is. Right. That's what I'm, that sounds like a Blossom line to me. Or, or Tony's line. Yeah. Or a Tony line. Like, uh, it's all yeah. misplaced and weird. So Nick finally... Let's Blossom and Joey in on his whole decision-making process. He says that he called people in Tony's program. He talked to professionals. So he did his research before just kicking Tony out. Mm -hmm. And this was the advice that he was given, that it's time to have Tony face the consequences of his actions. And he asks the kids if they've ever heard of Tough Love. And I had that moment, you know, when you're watching a movie and they say the title of the movie. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, ah. He said it. He said it. Credits. (laughs) So we get a, a little lightning of the tension here, a little comedic moment where Joey swears that they weren't his magazines and that his friend just hid them under his bed. So do we need to go into how I missed that? I didn't even realize that you miss. I'm surprised you missed that. No, I missed that joke. I don't know why. Oh, you missed the joke. Yeah. 
Yeah. I didn't even hear it. So yeah. I don't know if we need to go in for the kitties about how you used to have to like physically buy porn and it wasn't just on mm-hmm. the internet. <laughs> you used to hide it in places around your room. Yeah. But I more specifically want to get into the implication of what a magazine called Tough Love would be <laughs> because kinky. <laughs> I'm picturing like some teacher action, maybe a librarian, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, that's that's advanced for a 16 year old. Is it though? <laughs> oh, I don't know. You tell me. Yeah. Maybe he has hot teachers and he just wants to live out those. He is hot for teacher. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so uh, Nick explains <laughs> that he's always bailed Tony out and never let him deal with the consequences of his actions. And he says that parents are supposed to help their kids grow up and kicking Tony out and letting him deal with the world himself is doing just that. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I do agree that there comes a time where you can't just like, you know, coddle, continue to bail yeah. them out. Yes. I think we get a lot more perspective on the fact that Nick is, in fact, doing the right thing in theory. Yeah. But again, not in the way that he should be doing it. Yeah. So I think this scene like puts it a little more in perspective, but it doesn't fix what they've already gotten wrong with this episode. Yeah, I I would argue that this is the right thing in the context of this one episode only. And these Mm -hmm. characters in this one episode only who are not the characters that we know from the rest of the series. Exactly. But it's also weird because it just went like from zero to 100. Like the punishment just seems like way like harsh. Well, cause we haven't know. seen, I mean, Nick is talking about, I've given you so many chances and, but we haven't yeah. seen any yeah. of that so far. Yeah. I think if we take this as like, if we were to watch this as the pilot of a new series, we would imagine that he has been given all of these chances and has always just been like, yeah, sure. Whatever. I'll do it. And not yeah. done it. Mm-hmm. It's hard to take it out of the context of what we know from the last eight episodes that we watched. Yeah. Even as a pilot, I feel like it it still ring weird with me. Yeah. I mean, it would be a weird episode to do as your pilot, but. (laughs) (laughs) So the next scene, we're at the donut shop. Blossom and Joey have come to visit Tony at work. Tony explains that he's staying on Fatty's couch and Blossom asks how he likes the job. And Tony says, the only people awake at this time are either enforcing the law or breaking it. So does that mean he likes the job? I don't know. That wasn't really an answer to the question. I think it means he's comfortable in that situation. Because yeah, he's <laughs> around the bad people and the cops that he yeah. was around. Fair, fair. So just then a woman enters. She's in this tight, low-cut black dress, huge hoop earrings, big hair. She's chomping gum. Joey is absolutely mesmerized. He goes over and introduces himself as Ralph Steinberg. And the woman is just completely unimpressed. I mean, I would I would also be entranced by Julie Fisher because she's wonderful. I don't know if you recognize her. I recognized her, but I don't know where from. Tell us about this person. She's from Ellen. She was Paige on Ellen for oh, a number of years. OK, she was in um, the mask movie. Yeah, she's in a lot of things. She's still in a bunch of things. No one watches Last Man Standing. Let's go keep going down this. <laughs> Wizards of Waverly Place she was on, mm-hmm. Desperate Housewives, she was Nina Fletcher, a bunch of other stuff. I don't know these shows. <laughs> There's a bunch of stuff I recognize. Of. I remember yeah, her. I've from seen Beans. her face for sure. Cool. So we cut back over to Tony and Blossom. Tony tells her that most of the customers are cops and he's amazed that they drink so much caffeine and eat so much sugar and then carry around a gun. And so as a public service, he's been giving them decaf. <laughs> 
That seems dangerous. Yeah. No. Yeah. If you work in fast food, don't do that. Give people yeah. what they ordered. Mm-hmm. So Blossom encourages Tony to talk to Nick, you know, tell him how he's been doing all the things that Nick wanted him to. And, and Tony, but Tony doesn't want to. So then we go back over to Joey, who is clearly trying to buy sex from this woman for $18, <laughs> his watch and a skateboard. But he promises he won't take up much of her time. Yeah, because that's a winning point. Right. Also, $18, a watch and a skateboard. I'm sure Mm -hmm. she could do a lot with that skateboard. Tough love. (laughs) Tough love. love. Oh, Eric. uh, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Okay. Um, So plot twist. The woman knows Tony. Her name is Bambi, and she's a cop. Mm. But Joey feels sorry for her because she clearly doesn't make enough money as a hooker. She also has to be a cop. Did anyone else think, hey, is this not, is this something that Joey does on the regular, like, sees a hot woman and assumes she's a hooker or tries to pay for sex well i wonder if he assumes she's a hooker because tony had already said that people who come in here are either cops or breaking Mm, the law and she doesn't look like a cop but he seemed very comfortable trying to negotiate with a hooker Uh, yeah he's also a dumbass that yeah yeah, i think i think that's the dumbass confidence yeah see i was I was like, Tony must be seeing this right now like there's no way he's not seeing this right now i was like is he trying to like pull a nick and doing a tough love thing like let him try to pay for the cop see what happens i i don't know if it was a tough love so much as this will be funny yeah that too for sure. yeah <laughs> yeah so then we're back at the russo house nick is on the phone in the living room he's arguing with his ex-wife about tony he tells her that tony is his son too and he has to do what's right and she doesn't have a leg to stand on because she left them to be a singer in paris which fair he just found out that she was in paris though that was weird that seems weird right didn't we know we found out in the pilot so yeah she was in paris i think they also make a small reference in the pair in the paris in the pilot six asks where the mom is now so i think the idea is that she's been kind of like globe hopping touring or something Mm -hmm. like just kind of going all over so maybe nick is surprised that she's still in paris maybe it just mm. seemed weird. Yeah, because I think I think early on it was implied that she wasn't she didn't really have a stable home that she was kind of just going all over trying to be a singer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Perhaps. Nick agrees that he'll tell he'll tell the kids that she called and he'll get a message to Tony. And just then Blossom and Joey arrive home and they need to talk to Nick right away. Blossom tells Nick that Tony is working in what she calls an all night roach depot where he serves bear claws to hookers and cops. She accuses Nick of not caring and Nick gets angry, saying that he's tired of defending himself. He did what he had to do. But then he kind of takes a breath, calms himself and asks if Tony has found a place to stay. Blossom says that he has, but asks why Tony can't come home. He did what Nick wanted him to. He got the job. And Joey says, agrees. He doesn't understand. He's never heard of a parent throwing their kid out. And then he says, even if they did something really bad, like trying to solicit sex from an undercover cop, but they won't prosecute because he's a minor or something. Like, don't. Why? Why would you? Why would you? He didn't need to tell Nick that. He didn't need to say a goddamn thing. Yeah. Idiot. Uh So Nick just kind of ignores that and explains that he's not punishing Tony, that the real punishment would have been letting him continue doing what he had been doing. Which true. Yep. And. He leaves to go upstairs, but before he does, Blossom admits that Nick did do the right thing, but it doesn't feel right. Like, it makes her Mm -hmm. feel bad. And I think that's true of a lot of things that we have to do in life, that it's the right thing, but it doesn't necessarily feel good to do it. And this was the first thing that felt like her, like the character we know of her, Mm -hmm. you know? 
So Nick goes to visit Tony at the coffee shop. They make some awkward small talk. Uh, A couple cops finish their coffees and say goodbye to Tony. And Nick realizes that these are the cops who once busted Tony. And Tony says that he's friends with them now. You know, things are changing. He's he's not that kid anymore. We also learn that Nick knows Bambi. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Awkward. Yeah. My notes literally said awkward. And Tony's like, sorry, Nick is like, oh, yeah, I played at the policeman's ball. But is that really how he knows her? We don't know. He hooked up with her. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And he. Yeah, I'm not going to. I was going to make a policeman ball joke, but I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can't because Nick isn't the policeman. Tough love. (laughs) He could have put on the hat. We saw that dream sequence. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Uh, This is weird, you guys. Uh, (laughs) So Nick tries to explain to Tony why he kicked him out, but Tony says it's okay. He understands and he's he's okay with it. Their relationship is fine. And they seem to genuinely reconcile in that moment and share a nice Mm -hmm. little moment so it's the next morning blossom and joey are in the kitchen blossom has just finished playing her original composition for joey and joey congratulates her saying it's 100 percent original but it's terrible but at least it's original so she's happy with that blossom asks joey how the fake id worked and (laughs) joey says he didn't get to find out because it turned out that the bouncer was from dearborn and knew ralph steinberg and ralph owed him money so Joey had to settle Ralph's $45 debt and still didn't get into the bar. What a dum-dum. Shenanigans. I love this bouncer. <laughs> I mean, that's such a good way to deal with a kid. That's, yep. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I know you. You owe me money. So <laughs> just then, Nick enters from the living room, feeling a whole lot better, seems a lot happier. Tony enters from the backyard, and he's brought donuts for breakfast. Mm. Tony explains that he's moving back home. Mm -hmm. but not in the way that we think he and Nick are going to convert part of the garage into a bedroom for him. And he's going to pay rent. So he'll have his own space, a little bit of independence, but still Mm -hmm. be with the family. Tony then defends Nick's Nick to Blossom and Joey saying that he did the right thing and being kicked out was the best thing that ever happened Mm -hmm. to him. And Nick in doing so gave himself esteem and independence and a date with Bambi, hmm. which if we follow, if if we choose to believe that Bambi and Tony and Bambi and Nick hooked up, that's that's weird. This one's ball. Uh, <laughs> Tough love. No. <laughs> it's so interesting because throughout this whole episode, you know, I feel like the writing is trying to play the conflict between Tony and Nick, but it never is like they're relatively cool the whole time. And it's just the younger kids. Yeah. Tony the whole time seems to understand why Nick's doing what he's doing and is like, yeah, I fucked up. I'm going to move out now. And but but Blossom and Joey don't seem to get it. It's like the story from two adults versus the story from kids that don't know real life yet. That's what the whole episode feels like. Yeah. Yeah. So we end with the family reconciling Nick and Tony hug. Nick is about to launch into this big loving speech, but in a little comedic end note tony has to leave and blossom and joey don't care to hear it so we're back to the regular russos and that was tough love so outfit of the week jen what was your outfit i had two i feel like one of you might take the other one so my favorite was mozart damn it (laughs) damn should i have said the other one no i i also picked two because i figured that you were going to pick mozart so i have a backup But the reason I liked the Mozart one so much was because it wasn't just 
a random outfit from that era. It was so very specifically the Mozart from the play and the film Amadeus. Yeah. Which had come out whatever, six years before this came out. It was what, what year is this? Uh, seven, 1984 is when Amadeus came out. Yeah. yeah. So in that one, they make Mozart this very like foppish, just ridiculous, childish, very crude kind of character and he's always in pink and that's true to character by the way i mean yeah there are reports of mozart kind of being that way kind but of, the but the way much. it the film amps it up to make him a villain i like that they ripped that exact i don't think he was a villain in well in amadeus yeah like mozart wasn't really a villain he was more of a tragic character than anything well okay so for those who don't know Amadeus is told primarily through the perspective of uh, Salieri, who was a court composer Mm -hmm. and his interactions with Mozart, who kind of busts into the scene as this young upstart and kind of upends the court and proves to everybody that Salieri isn't as good (laughs) maybe as they thought he was. And Salieri wrestles with that his whole life. So they have this weird frenemies thing. So I think they upgun Mozart's personality to make you sympathetic to Salieri. Yeah. Which is funny because they were uh, contemporaries in that time. Like, they, yeah. Like, like they were pretty cool with each other. Yeah. In real life. <laughs> so, <laughs> but theater. Theater. <laughs> yeah. So I just like the way they pulled that specifically from the film reference. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I stole it. He also does the laugh, which I thought was. Hilarious. Yes. <laughs> Eric, did you have a backup or was that your only choice? That was my only choice, but I will add a fun fact for this scene. Okay. Because yes. there's a, there's that student in the background with this, plaid looking shirt he's right by the door and that character is played by an actor named aaron lore do you guys know who aaron lore is no you may recognize him if you've watched the mighty ducks films he was portman which is one of the bash brothers oh he was was also in newsies he was (gasps) mush in the original film he was in the film adaptation of rent he played steve which is the beginning of will i he was max goofy from the goofy movie what um you know who was also in a goofy movie? Jenna Von Oy. Jenna Von Oy. Yes. She was the one who, the best friend with the glasses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So was That's this the, the kid who thought Mozart was Elton John? I, I, I don't remember. I thought the teacher was the one who said Elton John. No, no, no. no it, was it was a, a kid. kid. Because I assume he would only be credited if he spoke, because yeah. otherwise he would be You're right. Extra. It is him. Yeah. <laughs> he was the one who talked. There That's it great. Is. I love that. that. Aaron Lore. There you go. So my outfit of the week I, I like I said, I had two because I thought Jen was going to choose Mozart. So my backup was Blossom and Tony's homeless outfits. Yes, <laughs> yeah, they guys. were so good. So Tony is basically dressed like Tony, except he also has a scarf and fingerless gloves. Mm-hmm. And then also. So I was trying to figure out how I would describe this hat. So here are the different terms I have. I have golf cap. I have mm-hmm. flat cap. I have newsboy cap. I have those weird hats that were part of the Team Canada Olympic outfits. It's a flat cap. So, or you could say Samuel L. Jackson's hat. Yeah. Samuel L. Jackson's. They, if you Google golf cap, it'll come up. Sometimes okay. they're called driver caps. Uh, yep. There's, there, yeah. So if any of those terms make sense to you, that's the kind of hat he has. Uh, and then we have Blossom, who has these like yellow bloomer type shorts mm-hmm. over white leggings, her black boots, a blue turtleneck tunic, it looks like. Yeah. With um this oversized vest that kind of has like a Nordic wintry pattern on it mm-hmm. and then also 
fingerless gloves and scarves. Yeah. So apparently fingerless gloves and scarves are oh, for sure the uniform of the homeless. Because they can't afford fingers. No. Yeah. <laughs> Too much money. I will say my backup was um Tony's bakery uniform because it was pretty oh, cute. Yeah. That was I good liked too. his name tag that was a donut. <laughs> oh I didn't notice that. Yeah. It was just very classic vintage with the little cap bell hat gray yeah. colors it was very adorable yeah so uh lesson of the week eric let's start with you there are only so many notes and progressions this is a blossom lesson okay <laughs> because yeah yeah i think ozzy osborne actually said that there's only so many yeah. uh, guitar chords that you mm-hmm. have well and i think like there's so many songs that use the same four chords but yeah. You can find any mashup on YouTube yeah. or whatever. You learn it in like in music too. Like the, these mm-hmm. are the chord progressions. This is where you go. Yeah. You go four, five, one or something like mm-hmm. that. And everyone has to do it because that's, you only have seven notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jen. I just stole a song lyric. Okay. Let's hear it. Gotta be cruel to be kind. Yeah. That was my lesson of the week because I don't like this episode. And that was the nicest way I could find for my feelings. Yeah. I, I was along the same line of loving someone sometimes means letting them face the consequences of their actions. Yeah. So you can't like, if you really love someone, sometimes you have to remove the safety net and just, yep. it's true. Real talk. I, uh, yesterday my child would not <laughs> do her homework. So we're like, we're not going to get ice cream anymore. She didn't do her homework, so we didn't get her ice cream. Mm-hmm. I got ice cream. She didn't. Oh, that's even worse. <laughs> I love that. I'm not going to stop myself getting ice cream because <laughs> she didn't do her work. My brother did that once when my nephew was was like three or four. He wouldn't stop asking for McDonald's, and my brother kept saying no. And eventually, my brother went through the McDonald's drive through and ordered a small coffee, and that was it. That's a John Mulaney move. Mm. I know the my brother John and my brother did it. <laughs> That's amazing. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. My parents had a check system. If you got three checks, you didn't get your ice cream when we were out. Wait, so the checks were bad? Checks were bad. You got oh, that's confusing. Checks were being bad. They still try to give me checks, but it doesn't work anymore because I'm a damn grown up. <laughs> <laughs> I can get my own damn ice cream. I give my mom checks now. <laughs> so what would a check be? Like for an example. Like if we were out? Mm-hmm. Um, a check would be like if we're running too far ahead and she keeps trying to call us back and we keep mm. wandering off and getting lost or whatever. If we were, you know, being too loud or obnoxious, we were pretty good kids, but ice cream, the running ahead. always, yeah. always yeah. did it. We always wanted the ice cream at the end. Everyone so. always wants the ice cream, right? I'm lactose intolerant. I still want the ice cream <laughs> <laughs> and I get it. You'll deal with the consequences. Yeah, yeah. straight. It's worth it. Yeah. So out of. Five Senator Bonos. <laughs> Jen, what do you give this? Two. A two. Y'all know me. You know that tough love is like kind of my jam, but the way it is done here and the fact that like hashtag not my blossom, mm-hmm. <laughs> like these aren't the characters approaching the right lesson in the right way. Mm-hmm. So it just felt disjointed and weird. And I, I hated how it was written. Eric? One. I didn't, like <laughs> I didn't like this episode. Um, Whoa. So this felt, was on the same like level as last week's episode for you. I would have put last week's episode down more if I could. <laughs> um, but no, this one felt all sorts of wrong. Like everything felt off and I didn't like it. Even yeah. the, even the lesson like, of tough love didn't come across right in my mind. Like it felt, it felt off. 
Like I understood what they were trying to go with, but mm-hmm. I felt everything seemed so mm-hmm. disproportional to what had happened. So it just seemed to off for everyone. And I didn't like it. It was that. in the wrong place in the season. Yeah. In the wrong. Yeah. It, it was just a weird ass episode. I, I don't like know. this episode. I watched it today with my, like with Meg and I just like, I didn't like it. I just said, yeah. like, I don't like this episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess like a, like a two or a three. I think if I think of it as being not a blossom episode, I, I do think the message of like, well, you can't keep coddling him and like hiding him from life is a, is a good message. But yeah, in the context of the characters of how we know them, it doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're so much nicer than we are. Well, I don't think I had as negative a reaction to this as you guys did. <laughs> I I don't know. I I really liked the dream sequences. I thought they were great. I like the dream sequence. I like seeing Mozart. Yeah. I thought, although I, I questioned the ethics of it, I thought Joey's plan to use the giant license to make a fake license was, was funny. Mm-hmm. And I guess, yeah, I kind of looked at it as like this it's a different show. Like it's not blossom mm-hmm. as we know it. It's like alternate reality blossom, but you shouldn't have to think that I shouldn't yeah. have to, but I don't know that I did like consciously, but when yeah. I was watching it, I wasn't like, this is a bad piece of television mm-hmm. as opposed to mm-hmm. this is a bad episode of the show. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, I wouldn't yeah. say it was a bad piece of TV. It was a bad fit for this series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. It, yeah. it felt like it did disservice for each of the characters. Yeah. That's what really bothered me about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Take that, writers. Yeah, you get tough love, <laughs> Blossom writers. Yeah. So next week's episode is season one, episode 10, What a Night. Ooh. What a die. I thought it was called Such a Night. Well, you ruined it now. Oh, no. We were did, singing. Did I did I write it down <laughs> wrong? Oh, no. Now we're going to do research, you guys. Oh, such a night. This is this is happening live. It's called such a night. Yes. Uh, uh, I'm on Disney Plus right now. <laughs> you're right. I wrote it down wrong. OK, so next week fired is, from the podcast. <laughs> it's called such a night. Uh, so until then, keep on trucking. I don't know. <laughs> Get a job or you're out of the house. Tough <laughs> loving. Zane Busby. Zane, Zane Busby. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to In My Opinionation. Don't forget to rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at IamOpinionation, our website at IamOpinionation.com, or email us at OpinionationPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your opinionation about this or any future episodes. New episodes come out every Tuesday. Thanks again for listening, and until next week, the sun is going to surely shine.